TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to the Two Guys and a Mike Show. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding weekend. It's the webcast show here. Two Guys and a Mike on TalkZone.com. Amongst the many things we'll talk about after uh, close to a month, month of soccer watching, the World Cup has come to a close. I know not that many people out there watched it, but I was one of those ones who went hook, line, and sinker. I kind of uh, had a relationship almost with the World Cup, but I felt bad. Yesterday, when it was finally over, it was like the breakup of a relationship. The end of something great. Spain won. Netherlands, zero in a game, quite frankly, of the probably 20 World Cup games that I watch, I'd rank it about 17th in the level of excitement. Too bad, you know, in a sense, that uh, probably a fair amount of people would be sort of halfway, maybe a quarter of the way soccer fans. Maybe that's the only game they turned into. The championship game of the World Cup, the World Cup championship, Netherlands taking on Spain, and if that was the game they watched, it was a, it was rougher than a football game. I mean, put helmets and shoulder pads on these guys. These guys were killing each other, and that was not really indicative, sadly, again for the people that just watched that game of what the World Cup was all about. So I'm a little, I'm trying to uh, feign some enthusiasm here. It's always great talking about sports, sports talk radio here, webcast. It's a, Beautiful, beautiful thing. It beats uh, real work. So I'm all, almost always up on this show. It's fun to do, but a little depressed today. A little down. The end of uh, what for me was a wonderful one-month relationship. I don't know where we go from here. But the Netherlands and Spain ended it all. Spain won one to nothing. We'll talk some baseball. We had a lot of golf action over the weekend, too, with the uh, LPGA championship. And uh, Steve Stricker just unbelievably hot in the John Deere Classic. Got the British Open coming up. Baseball action, as we talked about. NBA free agent signings continue, including here with our Chicago Bulls. Lance Armstrong appears to be out of contention in the Tour de France after a crash yesterday. So I got a lot of stuff to talk about. We will do it with you. The listener, our phone number, uh, phone lines are open as per always at 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. Dial it up. We'll talk some sports here. We have a good time doing that one hour a day, five days a week. Five and Toto, David Olson, our producer on the uh, other side of the glass. The big dog normally checking in via the phone lines. Uh, from his palatial estate out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois. Today we're expecting a call from Harry Carey's Restaurant downtown. There's a little uh, book debut, and interestingly, it's a fictional. <laughs> it's got to be fictional. Fictional book of the Cubs winning the World Series. Fictional book. And the weird part about it, and again, the big dog will be checking in here. Hopefully, we'll get an interview, if not today, uh, tomorrow with Andy Van Slyke. But the weird part about it is the book is written. By Andy Van Slyke, the ex-outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. And he always, he always had his best games against the Chicago Cubs. So a Cub killer has, for some odd reason, gone into the uh, world of authorship and written a book. Fictional. Has to be. 
about the Cubs winning a world championship. So we'll talk to uh, the big dog and hopefully Andy Van Slyke again, if not today, with uh, Van Slyke tomorrow. So we got all that and more. Again, our phone line's open at 888 You can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. That's M-I-C and the number 2, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. Uh, amongst the stories that have kind of gotten lost a little bit, they certainly haven't got the publicity that they uh, – Truly deserve, and I haven't checked out a lot of the national sports scene, so I don't know how much of a national story it's been. My guess is it's fairly understated in that uh, area, too. The White Sox always seem to play a back fiddle to the uh, Chicago Cubs in, in terms of national attention and notoriety, but the White Sox folks putting on a pretty unbelievable streak. 25-5 and five over their last 30 games. I've been following baseball for a lot of years, probably since age six or seven, 54. Now, math not great, somewhere around 46, 47 years. I'm not going to say it's the best streak I've ever seen, but boy, it's hard to pick too many that have been better over an extended period of time. 25 and 5, and it comes from a team you really could not have expected that from. You watched the White Sox play the first couple months of the season. Uh, certainly there was the chance that they were going to turn it around and play better. But I don't think anybody predicted. And we've seen some hot streaks before from teams, uh, very talented teams, that maybe had been struggling for one reason or another, injury, a little attitude problem, coaching change, and you could almost see it coming. This one, and, and feel free to correct me, White Sox fans, baseball fans, 888-463-6748. This one, very few, if any, saw it coming. And again, I think people thought the White Sox were going to play better, but I don't think anybody... Ozzie Guillen, Paul Konerko included, White Sox player, even in their wildest of dreams, I don't think they saw this kind of streak coming. And at the All-Star break, and we do break for baseball here for three or four days, of course we got the All-Star game Tuesday, and I know uh, there's probably two or three people out there excited about the home run derby tonight. <sighs> Maybe that's a way I can get over my depression of the World Cup. Maybe I can start another relationship. I don't think so, though. The home run derby? Brutal. Boring. Thank you very much. I appreciate that sound <laughs> But, uh, 25 and 5 first place at the All-Star break. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And they're doing a lot of it on the road too. They sweep the Anaheim Angels. Pretty good team. And then over the weekend, and you could say the Kansas City Royals, uh, and, and this one was at home. I think the, was the Angels series at home or away? Who cares? They're winning. David Olson, our producer, says it was at home. All right. Uh, but the Kansas City Royals, people could say, oh, it was only the Royals over the weekend. The Kansas City Royals came into town having won 8 out of 10, playing very good baseball, and they had some visions. They had some thoughts dancing in their head that maybe, maybe if we knock off the White Sox, continue playing good, we can get back attention. The White Sox uh, ended those thoughts very quickly. So it was not a sweep over a real weak team. The KC Royals were coming in on a uh, great Momentum burst and the White Sox beat him eight to two on Friday. They knock him off Saturday five to one. Gavin Floyd pitched Saturday. He was outstanding. Mark Burley on Friday. Very, very good. And then yesterday they went fifteen to five. Daniel Hudson, I guess the one negative if you're a White Sox fan is Daniel Hudson, the guy who's going to be filling in for uh, Jake Peavy pitched um, average at best. Average at best, you would have to say. He kind of struggled a little bit, didn't quite make it out of five innings. So if you're looking for one negative lining in a uh, otherwise extremely 
extremely bright, sunny skies. The, the, the fact that we're still looking for a number five starter, Danny Hudson, still has to prove that he can do it. But they win yesterday, fifteen to five. Carlos Quint, holy mackerel! What got into him? Struggling, slumping, looked like a man left for dead. Everybody was saying that uh, the season he had in two thousand five was just a uh, chink in the armor, if you will, one time occasion. The Carlos Quentin overrated, not going to overcome his injuries. Well, Carlos Quentin is back in a big way. A couple of home runs on Friday, yesterday, two more homers, and a grand slam. Four homers. Over the series, I think he's got six in his last four games. Hopefully it's not just a hot streak. Hopefully it's an indication that Carlos Quentin indeed is back in action. But, boy, he played outstanding in the White Sox. Uh, take over first place. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Also in that game, by the way, I was shocked at this. Andrew Jones. I knew Andrew Jones had a pretty good career. I didn't know it was this good. He had a home run yesterday. His 400th homer. That's pretty good. That puts you in some elite category. I think the guy he passed up was one of my boyhood heroes, uh, Al Kaline of the Detroit Tigers. But 400 homers for Andrew Jones. I did not think, A, he was that good or that much of a home run hitter, and B, even surprisingly, in order to hit 400, you got to be around a long time. I didn't know Andrew Jones had been playing that long. I was not aware of that. Thank you very much. I still remember him as a young center fielder for the Atlanta Braves, didn't hustle after a ball one time. And Bobby Cox, God bless Bobby Cox, one of the best managers ever in the game of baseball. He's in his final year, and again, the Atlanta Braves in first place. Thank you very much. But uh, it wasn't in his first year, but Andrew Jones, a pretty young, pretty cocky player, didn't hustle after a ball in center field. Middle of the inning. Middle of the inning, Bobby Cox sends a guy out there and has has Andrew Jones come in. Wasn't going to wait to talk to him between innings. Wasn't going to wait to the next day to sit him down in the middle of the inning. Now, that might not play so well with some major league players today, but obviously, considering Andrew Jones went on to hit four home runs, uh, Bobby Cox pushed some of the right buttons with that young kid. So that's pretty impressive. White Sox 25 and 5 in their last 30. They're in first place. Folks, you want to talk some baseball? We are right here for you. And if we have to, we'll talk some Cub baseball as well. Not a great weekend for the Cubs. Uh, they take one out of three against the LA Dodgers and they will go on the all-star break. A three-day rest. For everybody on the team except Marlon Bird. Let's hope Marlon Bird gets in the All-Star game. But, uh, boy, talk about a depressing first half for the Cubs. By the way, they asked uh, Tom Ricketts, I guess, <laughs> has returned home. They asked Tom what he thought of the Carlos Zambrano incident. And we didn't know it at the time. It wasn't publicized. But apparently the Ricketts family, I'm not sure how many of the members of the Ricketts family, they were on a safari in Africa at the time of the Zambrano uh, outburst. So it's nice to know your owners are, uh, you know, taking a little bit. I wonder if that safari was planned. Or maybe, you know, they were planning on being around the whole season. Your first time owning the Cubs, right? you got to stick around for the entire season. You don't go on family vacations. But he missed the Zambrano in, in a safari in Africa. I'm wondering after watching, like, the first month of the season, Tom Ricketts quickly dialing up his travel agent. i got to get out of here. Find me a safari in Africa, anything. I can't watch Cub baseball anymore. A two weeks. Yeah, you got that right. Thank you very much. A two-week safari in Africa. I would recommend for any Cub fan. It's been a rough first half of the season. If you can't afford it, probably out of your league, maybe you could uh, you know, find something else. Go to uh, something close to a safari in Africa. Maybe go to Taste of Naperville next weekend. Much cheaper. But if you can afford it, I highly recommend to the Cub fan. It's been a rough first half. Give yourself a break. 
Throw yourself a bone, if you will. You deserve it. You've been following the Cub in a brutal first half of the season. Do what you've always wanted to do. Take a safari to Africa. couple of weeks, get your mind off the Cub troubles. You come back home, you're refreshed, and who knows? Who knows? After a two-week safari in Africa, after the All-Star break, maybe the Cubs will be on a win streak and they'll be right back into it. Maybe the Ricketts family could auction that off. Anyhow, I found that kind of humorous. He wasn't there for the Zambrano thing because his family was uh, vacationing in beautiful Africa. Maybe they got to see some World Cup soccer, too. All right, 888-463-6748. Other baseball news, by the way. Our phone lines are open. Dial it up, folks. We're user-friendly. User-friendly here on the uh, TalkZone.com show. Two guys and a mic. By the way, David Olson, I was not aware of this. My kids were. Had you heard about the, uh, what do they call them, the teenage bandit? That got caught because uh, my kids were like they were sh- shocked, dismayed, and depressed that this kid finally got caught. I didn't even know who he. Now I've read about it now, but I didn't know coming into it that this uh, what nineteen year old kid. Yeah, nineteen year old kid in the Bahamas. Yeah, and he'd been on the lam for like two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stealing cars. They said he even flew a plane. Well, he didn't even have a pilot license, but he stole a plane. Somehow landed it and took off in the forest. Interesting. They caught that. Were you aware of the story before? I had, you know, I had heard of the story, um, but no, I was kind of like you, didn't know the whole thing until he got caught. Yeah. Those damn teenagers. <laughs> well, the, the weird thing about it is apparently the teenagers following the story were all behind this guy. Yeah, my my, my uh, son was on his uh, little, whatever it's called, you know, the... He doesn't have a BlackBerry, but on his phone he can get the emails. He's like, oh, darn. They caught the blankety-blank bandit. There's some name for the guy. But that's, uh, you know, forgetting the fact that he stole money from people, that he broke into houses and stole people's cars. You know, that stuff can happen. It's nice to see the teenagers have a nice hero out there. Maybe we should start following our pro athletes a little bit better than the uh, blankety-blank bandit. That's what I'm going to call him until I know his actual name. But uh, that was that was curious. Curious story over the weekend. If anybody has uh, followed that story, can give us a little more info. You can be a reporter here for the two guys in a mic. It doesn't pay well, but the pride and the prestige of being a reporter for the two guys in a mic show, you can't put a price on that. The barefoot bandit. The barefoot. I almost like blankety blank better, yeah. but the barefoot it's, it's bandit. The barefoot he, bandit. Because he would escape and he would like run into these wooded areas, these forest areas, and somehow evaded the police. Interesting. Guess when he was about to get caught, he threatened to shoot himself, too. Interesting. All right. The barefoot bandit has been caught. Moment of silence. Thank you very much. World Cup soccer. If we got any World Cup soccer fans, we'll talk about that, too. It's over. It's all over. Four weeks of exciting uh, World Cup soccer action. Spain defeats Netherlands yesterday one to nothing. The weird part about that one, first of all, it was 0-0 for uh, an extended period of time, including regulation. 0-0 through regulation. Then they play a 30-minute overtime. And I mentioned, by the way, I'm a huge soccer fan, but they need rule changes. And I mentioned some of them get rid of the offsides or at least limit the offsides call. The two-yellow card expulsion thing, I think we got to work on that, too. I don't want to get the details of it, but I'd be happy to if anybody wants to discuss. But uh, I bring back the golden goal. That was such a cool moment. What used to be in the World Cup if it was tied? At the end of regulation, and yesterday, unfortunately, was a 0-0 game. Not a lot of shots on goal. Both goalies did come up with a couple of great saves. Second, The first half was brutal. First half might have been the worst first half of soccer I watched in the entire World Cup, and it was the championship game. 
The championship game, both teams playing terrible. Referee did a phenomenal job, by the way, under adverse conditions. Under the most tumultuous of conditions, he handled himself extremely well. A lesser referee, and that game gets completely out of control. This guy was good, and obviously that's why he was picked for the championship game. But boy, you had to be the best of the best of the best to keep control of that game if you watched it, because it was physical. And again, a lesser referee, it would have gotten totally out of control. As it does, he handed out, I think, eight yellow cards. World Cup championship game record. Eight yellow cards. I mean, practically everybody on the Netherlands team, by the end of the game, had a yellow card. And if you're not familiar with soccer, if you get a second one for rough or physical play, you're out of the game and your team can't replace you. In fact, the Netherlands were short a player. And here's another rule, John. Not a big fan of that particular um, tradition in soccer, where if a guy gets two yellow card or a red card for a flagrant foul, if you want to get him out of the game for a period of time, or even if it's serious enough, throw him out of the game. I can live with that. I don't like the 11 on 10, where one team's got a one-man advantage. And I'm trying to think of another sport that has a situation like that. Now, hockey, you go off for a penalty, but that's a temporary period of time. In soccer, even if you wanted to use a hockey approach, play shorthanded for ten or you know five minutes or a couple of minutes, but in soccer, that guy's gone. Out of the game, and you cannot replace him. That seems to be a weird rule, but at any rate, uh, it happened. To the Netherlands, and again, I can't blame the referee. He did an outstanding job, kept control of the game. Every yellow card he gave out was well-deserved. In fact, uh, he probably could have handed out 15 yellow cards. I mean, it was brutal. Netherlands came out with strategy number one, hack the Spaniards, hack the Spain team at number two. Hey, you know, in case we get the ball, maybe we'll try to score a goal, too. That was primarily their first half strategy. Second half, they started to play a little bit. I can't quite figure out that strategy, but in the end, it did not pay off. But we almost, almost had a World Cup game going uh, 0-0. There was only, I'm going to guess, three, four minutes left in the 30-minute overtime. And then you would have gone down to penalty kicks. And thank goodness, I was rooting for the Netherlands. At least I was before they started to uh, hack and attack instead of playing soccer, at least at the start of the game. I started out rooting for the Netherlands, but I'm glad when Spain scored the goal, I was happy because I did not want to see a World Cup championship decided by five guys one-on-one going solo for penalty kicks. Just didn't think that would be right. It was a beautiful goal, too, by this kid, Inesta. So Spain wins it one to nothing. World Cup soccer was awesome. We got any soccer fans out there you want to uh, put some closing thoughts on the World Cup games? You want to write an epithet? You want to, uh, maybe you're, uh, have a little Spanish heritage in you and you're, uh, still excited, still recovering from a night of party and you want to give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you're, uh, suffering a little depression, if you got a little Dutch in you. And who doesn't have a little Dutch in you? Harry Carey had a little Dutch in him. <laughs> uh, and you want to give us a call if you're celebrating, if you're depressed, or you just want to write an epithet. Like me, I'm, uh, I wasn't particularly rooting for any team except the United States, but uh, four weeks when you spend something, you know, it's like David Olson, long-time TV watcher, when you watch it, like lost. You were a little emotional when it when it all came to a close. For me, the World Cup, I spent a lot of time with it. When it came to a close, it was, um, I had a couple teardrops in my eye. Not really, but it sounds good. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Again, phone lines are open, 888-463-674. We're expecting a call from the Big Dog. Live and Harry carries. Hope for the dog behaved himself this weekend. 
Uh, I do check the obituaries first and then the crime report second. Every weekend when I don't see Joel's name in there, I figure, hey, all is good in the world. All right, we'll take a quick break, talk some more. we got golf on the docket. we got the Tour de France, and we got more baseball action, too. And shockingly, shockingly, if you're in Chicago, the Blackhawks didn't lose any players over the weekend. At least we don't think so. Back in a minute, TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic today. Right now, it's one guy. One mic. Dial it up. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888-GO-FOR-IT once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com think i just got over my depression for the world cup soccer ending i just saw up on the tv screen on the little bleep 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 below 18 days 18 days to the chicago bear training camp in bourbon a football one sport of football just ended, and the American game of football is not far beyond. Nothing like July, what do we got today, July 12th? Nothing like July 12th, and we're looking forward to Chicago Bear football, and of course, uh, not just pro football, college football, high school football. It's the great thing about sports, it really is. Bothers the hell out of my wife, because I often kid her, she's not a sports fan at all. You know, I get totally hooked into an event, be it the NCAA basketball tournament, the World Series, Whatever it is, and she thinks it's over, I always tell her the beautiful thing about sports, and it's true, is that when one season ends, another begins. There is rarely a slow time. If you are a sports fan of sports in general, just enjoy competition. I know everybody got its, you know, everybody's got their more favorite sports than others. But there's never a slow time. There's, there's always stuff going on. And a lot of people say, uh, you know, the, the July, Period that we're in. What is the story? The day after the All-Star game? He said the day before the day after where there's no professional sports, like the only day of the year where there are zero professional sports going on. So theoretically, theoretically, this is like the heart of the summer, one of the slowest times. The baseball races aren't heating up just yet. No NHL hockey, no NBA basketball, yada, yada, yada. So theoretically, this should be one of the slowest times in sports just to show you how good sports is. How much fun it is to be a sports fan if you're into it. This is the slowest time. We got uh, the British Open coming up next weekend, and you had two phenomenal golf tournaments, one on the women's side, one on the men's side. We'll talk real quickly about that over the weekend. You had Chicagoland Motor Speedway out in beautiful Joliet, 
And I love the way they call that Chicago land in Joliet. Close it up. Would you consider Joliet Chicago land? Close it up. It's like, it's like, um, Valparaiso. Me and Joel used to kid about that Valparaiso college basketball. When Valparaiso was good, we'd call Valparaiso a Chicago area team, Chicago land team. When they're bad, they're the, the bums from Indiana. So how far Chicagoland extends depends on the, the success of the particular city or the team you're talking about. But there was a big NASCAR event. 60,000, 70,000 people showing up at the uh, Chicagoland Motor Speedway. You had uh, baseball action over the weekend. Great, great games heading into the All-Star break. And you had the World Cup soccer going on. Now, I understand World Cup soccer isn't every year, but it happened to be this year. And you had the Tour de France going on. And again, this is supposed to be the slowest time in sports. So, you know, find a sport you like, get into the competition, but uh, boy, one sport ends, another begins, and football is over, but football, 18 days away. Till Bourbon, any chance, David, here at the two guys in a mic show, will we have any representatives down at Bourbon A covering the uh, Chicago Bears? I, I like to call it spring training, but I guess it wouldn't be spring. It would be their summer training for the season. Any chance we're going to have anybody down there? Uh, yeah, actually there is. Really? Really, really. Any chance it would be me? No. Darn. Do we have a name? Are we, we hired an intern? Is it a female intern? Is our last I, female I, intern? I, I think the Barely Legal guys are going down there to tell you the truth. Barely Legal? Yeah, Robin Earl and David Spada. Interesting. Robin Earl, of course, uh, an ex-Chicago Bear. Very good. Any chance they'll report for our show? Doubtful. I can check into it. Doubtful. I we need a, uh, is there any possible, we need to hire a female intern. We have not had a female intern in a long, long time. No squeeze Louisa has uh, left us, unfortunately, about a month ago. So I think, I don't know if you could talk to the general manager or the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, but if I could make one request, in order of preference, A, hire a female intern, B, get a reporter down in Bourbonnet. And again, if only one of the two could hold true, A, thank you very much. You can only talk to the big dog on the phone so long. You get lonely out here. We need a female intern to do a little a little reporting. All right. 888-463-6740. 18 days till football starts. Yes, indeed. But we still got baseball to talk about. We talked about the White Sox, the hottest team in baseball. An amazing 25-5 and five streak heading into the All-Star break. Hopefully they're not going to cool off. Obviously, they're going to cool off. And uh, White Sox fans, you want to check in. Baseball fans, we'll do a quick little segment here on the baseball over the weekend. Love the All-Star game coming up tomorrow. That's one of the um, few All-Star games that I really get into. The NBA one, I'll watch a little bit. NHL All-Star game, forget about it. And anybody, anybody that watches the National Football League All-Star game truly, truly needs more things in their life to be um, concerned with. Because that might be the biggest dud of all. And what did they do with the NFL All-Star game? They switched it. It used to be after the Super Bowl. Now I think they've got it that week between, which is a improvement. It's a step up, but you needed to take about 89 steps to get the NFL game interesting, and it took about two steps. So that still leaves 87 more to go. But the uh, baseball All-Star game, at least to me, and fans out there, you want to check in. If you want to rate your order of importance, which All-Star game do you love to watch and which one do you never watch? Or if you want to rate them, one, two, three, four. But to me, the MLB All-Star Game, something always special about that, even as a kid. And that, that feeling, and it's not as special as when you're seven, eight, nine years old. 
But there's something special about the MLB All-Star Game, at least in my particular book. That's a game I will tape. That's a game I will watch um, tomorrow. Home Run Derby, not so much. But tomorrow is the All-Star Game, so we'll be watching that one. But there were some good games over the weekend, some big rivalries, some table setters, if you will. Obviously, it's a long way to go here. Nothing was critical, but there were some interesting series over the weekend. Let's talk about a couple of them here, one including the... Um, Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets, two consecutive. I'm sorry, Philadelphia Phillies and Cincinnati Reds. It was the Mets and the Braves, another good series. We'll talk about that. But the Phillies and the Reds, the Phillies have been slumping. And they needed a little bit of feel-good going into the All-Star break. Remember asking the big dog last week, Philadelphia Phillies, uh, not their season? Stuck in the mud a little bit? Everybody knows how talented they are, but are they just struggling this year, not going to get out of it? Or do you think uh, just a little bit of a mediocrity in the first half of when time comes for things to get serious, the Philadelphia Phillies and their raw talent will start to come through, and they're going to start to kick some butt and come back and at the very least be the wild card and maybe overtake the Atlanta Braves surprisingly. A little surprised by the big dog's response. He said he thinks maybe this is just not Philadelphia's year. They're pitching besides Halliday and Hamels and even those two guys. Haven't been as great as they were first quarter of the season. I expected to hear something different, but maybe uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are coming out of it. They beat the Cincinnati Reds twice by the score of one to nothing. Walk off homer by Ryan Howard on Saturday, but two consecutive one nothing games. Unheard of in Major League Baseball these days. One one to nothing game is a rarity. Not quite no hitter rarity, but uh, pretty rare. Pretty rare. Roy Halladay gets um gets the victory, and the Phillies win it one nothing on Saturday, and then they come back yesterday and win it one to nothing as well. Four game sweep. So the Cincinnati Reds come back to earth. It certainly helped out the Cubs. The only problem was the Cubs didn't help out themselves, but the Reds lost a four straight. Philadelphia sweeps them over the weekend, and also in that game, uh, we should mention Saturday, kind of quiet. But Travis Wood, this has been the year of the no hitter. The first half of the season has been the year of the pitcher. The pitchers have dominated, for the most part, over the hitters. We've had, what, four no-hitters? Had a should-have-been-perfect game? I mean, typically you don't get four no-hitters over the course of a couple seasons. We got in the first half of the season, but a young kid named Travis Wood, I missed it, read the story only. He had a perfect game. Perfect game going into the ninth inning. And not only did he lose the perfect game, the Phillies scored a run, and then uh, came back and beat him. One to nothing. So you lose the perfect game and lose the game. I think that run was scored in the eleventh inning. So it was uh, Halliday against Travis Wood, and the Phillies pull out a win in the eleventh inning in that game. Hope I'm getting my Saturday Sunday games correct, but that's impressive. Atlanta Braves, New York Mets. Braves beat the Mets two out of three. Atlanta Braves continue playing some quality quality baseball. They lost yesterday three to nothing, but that's a big series win for the Atlanta Braves, who struggled a little bit. Uh, first third of the season, Bobby Cox, as we talked about before, he's in his final year as a manager, the Swan Song, long-time Hall of Fame career for Bobby Cox. And uh, this Atlanta Braves team, good. Certainly not out of the ordinary. Out of the ordinary. They're okay. But they're nothing special. But Bobby Cox and uh, his staff, once again, getting the job done, and the Atlanta Braves winning more often than not, went on a pretty good tear. The second half of the first half, if I could use that term, yeah. Second half of the first half, also known as the second quarter of the season. 
and the Atlanta Braves are in first place, beat the Mets two out of three. They can uh, rest up during the All-Star break and be ready for a nice end of July, August, and September. We'll see how the Atlanta Braves hold up. The Mets and the Phillies certain to challenge. Another series uh, over the weekend interesting for the White Sox was the Detroit Tigers taking on the Minnesota Twins. And I guess it's glass half full, glass half empty if you're a White Sox fan. Well, the optimist would say, well, the good news is one of those two teams are going to lose each and every game. And while the White Sox keep winning, they're picking up a game and a game and a game on a team that loses. Minnesota, by the way, won the uh, last game, but Detroit won the first two. So the Tigers took two out of three. The pessimist. The pessimist would say, of course, that no matter if the White Sox win every game, automatically one of the two teams they're competing against are going to hold serve and stay even with them. Glass half full, glass half empty. I tend to be the optimistic side. Either way, the White Sox, with their three-game sweep, took over first place, but the Tigers did win that series two out of three games. Think seven to three on Friday, seven to four on Saturday. Twins come back and win yesterday, six to three. By the way, on the All-Star note, David, I don't know if you saw this or not, Paulie Canerco did, um, he made the All-Star game. Very nice. Yeah, replacing Justin Morneau, who's uh-huh. going to be missing the game due to a concussion. Now, do you think, um, Publicity and media side. Paul Konerko happy about that? or he, he probably had a nice little three-day break plan. Right? He found out he didn't win the vote. He was in that voting of five. One guy makes it. Yeah, it's a long, you know, nobody's feeling sorry for these guys. They're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. But they're playing on Saturdays. They're playing on Sundays. That three-day break, konerko has been in an all-star game before. Yes. So do you think when they called him up, hey, Paul, guess uh, good news, you're in the all-star game. I wonder how excited he really was. <laughs> so much for the fishing trip up in Michigan. Yeah, I guess. I guess. And how could you not be excited for that? A guy, a guy like him that, yeah, he's made it before, but, you know, it's not like he's going year after year after year after year, which, you know, some of these guys, are just, oh, I don't want to play. You mm-hmm. know, just, uh, oh, oh, my back is acting up. But now now you're talking about the NFL. Oh, yeah, like thing. the NFL. So. <laughs> Like 80% of the players come up with injuries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. so the first-year guys can go to Hawaii. All right, but Paul Konerko certainly deserving. The guys had a great first half of the – even when the Sox were struggling. Yeah, Konerko yeah, was, was the one yes. constant. Yes. All right, interesting. So we'll see. So Paulie gets to play in the All-Star. Got to add a little interest for the White Sox fans. Of course, um, we got Matt Thornton, the reliever. Hopefully he'll get in the game. And if you're uh, really optimistic and you think the White Sox got a shot – of continuing this hot streak and going to the World Series, the game tomorrow also determines who might get to play or who might get the home field in the World Series. That's a little bit far off the horizon, but what the heck? When you go 25 and 5, you can look into the future like that. Jake Peavy uh, will find out how his surgery goes. We do know for sure that he will be out for the season. So that's going to be a tough break. The latissimus torsi tearing off of the back. And I think. What we've read is there's been injuries similar to that, or not similar, uh, close to that, but I don't think they've ever had a major leaguer had the uh, latissimus dorsi absolutely torn from the bone. So they don't know what the recovery is going to be. They're not sure of the success of the injury. He's going to rest. Theoretically, he'll be okay for next year. But this is brand new horizon, so the surgeon doing this um, particular operation is going to be a new horizon, especially for a major league ball player. But hopefully it'll be okay for Jake Peavy. We do know he is out for the season, though. Hopefully he can come back next year. Again, the Cubs uh, won one out of three, 39 and 50 heading into the All-Star break. Not so good for the beloved Cubs. 
Vincent Padilla shuts him down yesterday. Carlos Silva pulls off his, uh, maybe he was doing this in honor of hopefully his good friend Carlos Zambrano, but he got thrown out. And if you look at Silva from the side, the profile is very similar to Carlos Zambrano. It's a very big profile, by the way. One of the wider profiles you're going to see in sports. But uh, Carlos Silva guy apparently arguing. I didn't see it live. saw the uh, replay arguing a call at first base. Of course, it was after he gave up, what, five, six runs in the second inning? Argued the play at first. The umpire looked like he missed it, but it was bang, bang. It was pretty close. And uh, Silva gets yanked out of the game, thrown out in the second inning. Again, maybe he was doing that in homage of... Uh, Carlos Zambrano was a good teammate who was probably watching at home, and that will be an interesting thing to watch for in the second half of the season to see if Carlos Zambrano will actually come back for the Cubs, how his uh, quote-unquote anger management training is going. We have a couple of producers we might want to put in our anger, a couple of past producers that me and Joel have. We've tried to enter them in anger management. We gave them a free certificate for it, and basically they threw it down and got mad at us for even suggesting it. What are you going to do? They throw a tantrum because tantrum because we tried to put him in anger management. Uh, speaking of the big dog, by the way, we are expecting a call from the dog live from Harry Carey's. And if we don't hear today from uh, Andy Van Slyke, we're definitely getting him on the show tomorrow. This is really weird. He has written a book, again, as we head into the all-star break here in the three days off of baseball except for tomorrow's game. But uh, he has written a book, fictional. Very weird, too, because it's Andy Van Slyke, not an ex-cub. Not a writer, but an ex-ball player. i got to find out his motivation behind this. And, and a guy who regularly, regularly used to have great games against the Chicago Cubs. Playing center field most of the time. I think I remember him out in right field, too. But he would always, always have big game. Noted Cub killer, Andy Vincent. And he's written a book, fictional book about the Cubs winning the World Series. And all that would happen. So maybe if the Cub players uh, do some reading over the three-day break. And if Andy Van Slyke has done his job as an author and really painted the picture, what this city would be like if the Cubs win the World Series. You know, maybe they read that book. Maybe it'll give them the inspiration for the second half of the season. Real quick, before we go to a break, producer extraordinaire David Olson, how could we, it's fictional, but compare, if you will, you were still a fairly young man, 1985 Chicago Bears. That swept the city. That was pretty big. We just got through the Blackhawks thing, winning the Stanley Cup for the first time since 1961, I believe it was. That was huge. And we experienced the White Sox winning the World Series. And then, of course, we had the Bulls winning six world championships. The Chicago Cubs, if they were to finally get on a run, win the division, win the pennant, get in the World Series, and win the World Series, would it um, strikingly, dramatically Go over the celebrations of the other team a little bit more, or do you think it'd be about even with like the '85 Bears? It'd be even, if not bigger than the '85 Bears. Bigger than the Blackhawks, clearly. Hey, clearly bigger than the Blackhawks, and, and bigger than the Bulls, even. B- bigger than Bulls, bigger than the Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, it'd be big just because, just because it has been so long. Mm-hmm. And it would, and it would be a national. If not international yeah, story yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it, Well, you remember how big it was when Boston finally broke through. Yep. Yeah, but I think I, the Cubs I, even have more of a the Cubbies. Maybe because the WGN for a while, you know, being the national station. Yeah, was a, yeah. Interesting. And for those people that say, ah, oh, even bigger than the '85 Bear, you got to go back. The '85 Bear didn't last long. It was one year. 
I mean, they had, they had a couple of good seasons before, and the season after was good, but that was their one championship year. But that year, that year was truly, and it sounds cliche to say, magical. I mean, that team caught. Yeah. Well, no, that was a t- they, coming into that season. They were like the team of destiny. Yeah. And you, I mean, almost going undefeated, but because uh, when they got knocked out, it was they got knocked out by San Francisco the year before. Yeah. The previous year. And the following year, I think, by the Redskins. Yeah, yeah, but th- that year, going the you know that '85 season, mm-hmm. I mean, there it was like, yep, this is it. This is yeah. the team. These are the guys, and you knew they were going to roll over everybody. And and everybody was talking about it. It captured even people that weren't football fans, and they weren't only a great team. They destroyed the opponents. They did it in an exciting way. They had tons of personalities on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And that absolutely. certainly added to it. Then you had the whole Super Bowl shuffle dance. So it was – and the Cubs thing might even overtake that, but the 85 Bears was truly a spectacle. It's hard to believe it's been that long, though. Hey, 18 days. 18 days till Bourbon Day. Maybe we can relive the 85 Bears. I don't think so, but maybe so. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Back for our final segment, TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic. The coach, we're expecting a call for the big dog. Producer extraordinaire, David Olson. And we are in search of a female intern. If you are a female out there looking to kill some spare time and you want to serve as an intern here, a highly paid intern, by the way, we will pay more than most interns. Give us a call or email us at Mike2Guys@AOL.com. If you're a male, who knows somebody who wants to be a female intern? Email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. If you're a male who likes to dress up and wants to play the part, it's only for one hour a day, folks. Then you can go back to your regular life. And you want to be a female intern, email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. We'll take a quick break. We're looking for a female intern. Back in a minute. Time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. Hey, we welcome you back to the TalkZone.com final segment here real quick before we get back to the uh, major stories of the day. And certainly the White Sox baseball team is one of them. World Cup soccer is that. Let us do a quick titillating tidbits, news and notes, some other stories we don't want to forget about, including... The world of golf coming up this weekend, by the way, the uh, British Open. Personally, big fan of the Masters, love watching the U.S. Open. PGA Championships, very cool. My favorite tournament, something special about the British Open. You want to take a nap on a beautiful Sunday afternoon in the middle of the summer? There is no better sporting event. I defy you. And some people, some smart asses out there are going to call up and say soccer. But I defy you, a better sport. A better event to have a beautiful nap than the British Open. <laughs> I mean, you can't help but watch the, the beautiful greenery, the accent of the announcers, 
the golf tournament, they rarely, well, I shouldn't say they rarely have bad weather there. Even, even when you get the drizzle, it's a luscious drizzle of rain. They don't get the downpours. But it's Sunday afternoon. Now you want to wake up in time for the final four or five holes. Maybe make it Saturday, the third day of the tournament, so you don't miss the good stuff. About two, three o'clock in the afternoon, got your housework done. Maybe you went for a little run. You did your push-ups. You did your stomach crunches. You sit down in your favorite chair. Hopefully the kids are out playing with their friends. Maybe they're downstairs with the electronic babysitter. And you sit back. You open the window on a nice breezy day. No better event. Saturday at the British Open, I would argue. Not Sunday. Don't miss the end. Saturday at the British Open is the best single day to take a nap on a sporting event. Thank you very much. I don't think there's been surveys on that, but, uh, and again, I'm sure we got some smart ass fans out there, uh, who would say that it would be soccer. And if you watch yesterday's soccer game, I might agree with you, but in general, no. 888-463-6748. There's our daily quandary of the day. If you could take a nap, what's your favorite sporting event to do so at? 888-463-6748. But let's talk about the golf over this past weekend. First of all, in the John Deere Classic, Played uh, downstate in Silvis, Illinois. How, how, I don't even know where Silvis is, uh, David, but, but downstate. What they say here in Chicago, what, what, what used to be the Illinois Bureau of Tourism, just outside Chicago, there's a place called Illinois. I think the rest of the uh, fine state of Illinois has a little writer's block, if you will, when it comes to the fine city of Chicago. But down in Silvis, Illinois, the John Deere Classic, Steve Stricker, unbelievable performance. Wins the tournament. Yesterday was his worst day. Yesterday was his worst day, and he shot a 66. Shot a 60. A 60 on Thursday. And you remember that was the day Paul Goitis shot a 59 and with a fourth PGA golfer in history, folks. Think about that. Not in the John Deere Classic. Fourth PGA golfer, fourth professional ever in a professional PGA tournament. To shoot a 59 or lower. I don't know what the record is. 58, 57. But that, that's, that's pretty high territory there. That's pretty, uh, you're up there above the clouds on that one. Fourth ever. 59. But Steve Stricker almost matched it with a 60. Came back with a 62. And then I think a 63 shot a 66. He wins by a couple of strokes. Very impressive performance. Phenomenal performance. Steve Stricker red hot. I don't know if that's going to translate into the British Open. But uh, you talk about a guy going in with some momentum. Highly impressive. Let's see if we got it written down here. We got 60, 66. He had a 60, a 66, and a 62. After three days, after three days, the lowest three days, the lowest 54 holes, three times 18, 54. Yeah, lowest 54 holes ever for a PGA golfer. That's pretty pr- impressive stuff. Pretty high ground for a Steve Stricker, so congrats to him. On the LPGA side, they held their U.S. Women's Open, Paula Kramer. Paula Kramer, who is uh, always the bridesmaid, but never the bride. I think that would be the expression that fit her. Or if you want to go over to the men's golf world, takes the title or took the title from Phil Mickelson. And the women's side is the best female golfer to never win a major championship. Well, you could take that mantle off. Paula Kramer wins it by four strokes, and she had an injured thumb, too. Very painful thumb. And I'm wondering, and I think she answered the question, I think sometimes when you have a, a um, injury that's as not, as, as local, I was going to say isolated, as localized as that, and you have significant pain, I think what it does is it improves your focus, it improves your concentration. She was in pain the entire tournament. 
I think because of rain on Friday, she had to play 36 holes on Saturday with a severely injured thumb. And you can imagine waking up the next day. You know how it is. When you have something injured, you work hard on it. Sometimes it's still loose. That day you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning. Ah! That's the true pain. You always know how bad an injury is. Got distracted a little bit because Paula Kramer was up on the screen. Very attractive young lady, by the way. Uh, you always know how bad an injury is, not so much the day of, but the morning after. If it swells up, if you're in severe pain the morning after, yeah, that's going to be with you for a while. If not, eh, not such a serious injury. That's my medical advice for you. I found that to be true over the years. But getting back to the theory, I think the fact that she had that significant pain, it, it took away the focus of the pressure. And maybe the fact that she had never won a major. And when something hurts that much, that's what you're thinking about. When you, On that shot, you're thinking about the pain that's coming. You're not thinking about messing up the shot or blowing it. So in some strange way, I'll play part-time psychologist and part-time uh, physician right here. In some strange way, the severe thumb injury to a Paula Kramer might have been the reason she won her first major ever. Putted beautifully. Chipped beautifully. Short game was outstanding. The lady in pink, Paula Kramer, comes home with a championship. Congratulations to her. And again, for the golfing fans next weekend, the best of the best, the British Open. Tiger Woods, by the way, even though he hasn't won um, this year, the favorite once again at 7-2. So it's Woods favored, Mickelson number two. We'll talk uh, British Open as the week goes on. Titillating tidbits, news and notes. Don't want to forget the Tour de France. What are we down, eight stages? Nine stages. David Olsen's up there going, who the hell cares? Tour de France. We bring it up each and every day. We're trying to get a couple of special guests on, but we are. We are the only sports show that gives you stage-to-stage coverage right here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. Unfortunately, yesterday, Lance Armstrong in a crash. Lance Armstrong in a crash, and apparently he is back to 39th place. Now everybody says, well, don't worry about it, because once the uphill climbs come, that's when Lance is at his best. That's what I thought, too. But Lance himself said, forget it. No chance anymore. He was already struggling, I think, at 17th or 18th place. The crash yesterday, he's able to continue, I believe, with the hip injury. But uh, it's pretty much over. Seven Tour de France titles to his credit. I like the uh, quotes. I like the statements that Lance Armstrong came up with. He said, don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel bad for me. I've won my seven championships. I will continue on. going to try to help my team. There's a lot more people to feel sorry for than myself. I think that was pretty quality stuff from Lance Armstrong. Uh, What the hell happened to Fabian Camilleri? Fabian, I think I got the name. He he was in the lead heading into the weekend when we finished our Friday. Award-winning two guys at a mic show here was Fabian Camilleri from Switzerland, who was the leader. I read Saturday's paper. After one stage, he goes from first place to 58th place. Talking about a guy just running out of gas. Didn't crash, didn't fall off his bicycle, just ran out of gas. That's a bad day, folks, when you go from first place to 58th place. Not good for Fabian Caballero, but uh, even though Lance is out of it, we will still be your play. If you're a Tour de France fan, if you want stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France, you'll get it. Right here in the Two Guys in a Mic show. Chicago Bulls continuing on with news and notes, titillating tidbits. Over the weekend, they did pick up Kyle Korver. Fine shooting guard from the Utah Jazz. Last year he was more than fine. He was superb, 53% on three-pointers. That's pretty impressive. And they um, theoretically 
signed J.J. Redick. I forget what the contract was, but the shooter from the Orlando Magic. Now, the Orlando Magic, I think, has a week to match that particular offer. So we'll see if they do that. It, yeah, it looks like they are going to. They are now. going to. All right, so the Bulls may still be shopping. There's J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver combined. I don't know if you play them at the same time, but if you got one of those two guys on the floor, it's certainly not uh, we're not talking about them leading the Bulls to a championship, but it's a piece. It is a piece. You could talk rebounding, you could talk defense, and you could talk passing all you want. It's still the object of the game is to put the ball in the hoop, and J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver, two of the best shooters in the game. So we got Korver, but producer David Olson uh, destroying what little Bulls buzz I had by telling me that Orlando Magic will match the deal for J.J. Redick. Pretty good deal. Not bad if you're an NBA player. If you can somehow find your way into the NBA, even if it's mediocrity, man, you're doing pretty good salary-wise. I mean, it's unbelievable. Who was it? Uh, Hakeem Warwick. Now, Hakeem Warwick, the Bulls picked him up halfway through the season. You know, pretty good role player, plays a little defense, but certainly nothing special. At best. At best, he's your eighth best guy, ninth best guy. And he signs a contract. I forget what team picked him up, but, uh, you know, three. Three million a year, maybe four million a year for mediocrity. And a lot of people can criticize that, and, and I would be one of them. On the other hand, on the other hand, and you could say, oh, you know, these guys are NBA, mediocre NBA players. Anybody in the NBA, and it holds true for Major League Baseball, too, there's no such thing as a mediocre NBA player. No such thing as a mediocre Major League Baseball player because these guys are all the elite of the elite of the elite when you think about it. So the contract, don't get me wrong, the contracts a pro athlete gets are sickening. Way too high. I mean, any time I actually stop and think about it, it revolts me to the very core that you've got people out there working as hard as they can for seven, eight bucks an hour. And you've got other guys, the elite of the elite who make the NBA, getting paid two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight million dollars to play basketball. That bothers me, just on a very inherent humanistic nature. That, I'm not saying I don't understand it, but it still bothers me. I think the top should come down, and I'd like to see the bottom come up. I don't think everybody has to be equal, but there's something inherently wrong with that. And don't, you know, I'm not talking about the communistic approach. I'm just talking basic human instincts when you see the contract differentials like that. Having said that, though, you do got to realize the guys, take Major League Baseball, for instance. Anybody who makes Major League Baseball on an MLB roster is the top of the top of the top of the top. The best of the best. I mean, you think about it. You got high school players. You got a high school player, and only the very, very most elite of high school players go on to play college. And now you got some very talented college players, and only the very, very best of those college players get picked up by pro teams and then go to the minor leagues. And of those elite college players that go to the minor leagues, what is it, 5%? Maybe 10% are able to elevate themselves from the single A to double A to triple A to the major league. So remember, when you're watching a major league baseball player, they may look mediocre. We kid about guys that can't get the job done. Certainly we've seen plenty of them for uh, here in the city of Chicago for the White Sox and the Cubs. But remember, just to get to the major league level, we forget it sometimes. It is uh, truly Truly an elite level, and a lot of people have been left in the dust. A lot of very talented individuals never make it to that level. So in some sense, as I kind of 
argue with myself here, they do deserve the higher contract. I'm not going to say the amount of money they're getting, but they are certainly, uh, you could say he's a mediocre player. He's only making two million. He's not a mediocre player. He's making $2 million because he's the best of the best of the best. All right, we got to wrap up today's show. We did not hear from the big dog. We promised tomorrow. Tomorrow, Andy Van Slyke in that book, the fictional book about the Cubs winning the World Series. I believe it's called Cubs Win, Cubs Win. So we'll get him on the show for sure. I want to thank David Olson, our producer, doing a great job today. Hopefully by tomorrow we'll have a female intern. If not, we can dress up uh, our general manager, Chris Whitting, the commander-in-chief. He would look good in a short skirt. Actually not, but I thought I'd say that. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Be good. Stay out of trouble.